0: The Old Testament reading for this, the second Sunday after the Epiphany, comes from the prophet Isaiah, the 49th chapter. Listen to me, O coastlands, and give attention, you peoples from afar. The Lord called me from the womb. From the body of my mother he named my name. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand he hid me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver he hid me away. And he said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing in, and vanity. Yet surely my right is with the Lord, and my recompense with my God. And now the Lord says, He who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord. And my God has become my strength. He says, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, to one deeply despised, abhorred by the nation, the servant of rulers. Kings shall see and arise. Princes, and they shall prostrate themselves, because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. And this is the word of the Lord. Be to God. Praise the Lord all nations. And so in all peoples. For great is his steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Epistle reading comes from the first letter of St. Paul to the church in Corinth, the first chapter. Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you, because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end. Guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And this is the word of the Lord. Be to God. The Holy Gospel that serves as the text for our sermon this morning comes to us according to St. John, the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. The next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, He who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. we have found the Messiah, which means Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. And This is the Gospel of our Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. John the Baptist had one purpose in his life, to direct people to the Messiah, Jesus Christ. His ministry was to prepare the way of the Lord, to call people to repentance, and to turn their eyes to Jesus, their Savior. And in our gospel reading today, we see him doing that in a very real, very personal way. As Jesus passes by, John says to some of his disciples, Behold the Lamb of God. Meaning, Look, there is the one that you should be following. There is the one. Who is greater than I am. And upon hearing this confession, John's disciples do more than just behold Jesus, they follow him. Which prompts Jesus to turn and ask them, What are you seeking? Meaning, Why are you following me? What exactly led you to leave behind John, whom you have been following and helping, and instead come to me? It's a great question. And it's one that still applies today to every single person who follows Jesus. You, me, everyone who claims the name of Jesus Christ is theirs. We must ask ourselves, what are you seeking? Why do you come to Jesus? What do you expect from him? What do you hope to gain from Jesus? Because let's be honest. Nobody comes to Jesus by accident, and nobody puts their faith in Jesus without a reason. All Christians, even those who are very lax in their faith, even those who think about Jesus almost never, they still have a reason. Something that they cling to that makes them still claim the name of Jesus, even if it's only in times of desperation. By professing even an ounce of Christian faith, You are doing so for a reason and with the expectation of receiving something. So Jesus asks of you the same question he asked John's disciples. What are you seeking? Do you want a teacher? Do you want someone who will give you good advice and help you whip your life into shape? Somebody who's going to lay out a checklist of things that you can do, a beautiful list that you can check off each of the boxes as you do that thing in your life and you can pat yourself on the back. A wise old sage who can help you navigate the pitfalls of this world, whose words can bring you moral and hopefully financial stability. Do you want a divine genie? Someone who will grant you wishes if you do just the right things or say just the right prayers. Someone who will make you rich and safe and fat and happy. A Messiah who expresses his love with trinkets and hopefully cash. Do you want an emotional support Messiah who will help you get through the hard times? Someone or something that you can go to when you're sad. Someone that you can go to when you really need a friend to talk with. Someone that you can just be yourself around. You just need him to be a shoulder to cry on. Someone who reassures you that everything is going to be okay. Do you want an emergency plan that sits back quietly in the background until you really need it? Are you looking for just some good confidence that when it all goes down, you've got someone there to help you? Whether it's someone who will bail you out in this world, or someone who will just appear when you're on your deathbed to whisk you away to paradise, you know that they'll be there for you. But the rest of the time, you can just ignore them. Like some grand insurance policy, except it doesn't cost you anything. No inconvenience, no need to change your life, no need to risk embarrassment at calling yourself a Christian publicly, and certainly not by acting like one. Do you want an firmer? Someone who will tell you that everything you do is great. This grand cosmic bobblehead who will nod and approve of everything, whatever it is that you may choose to do. A Messiah who lets you be you, doesn't expect anything of you, certainly doesn't cause you to change your ways. A very convenient life coach who just always gives you a thumbs up and a knowing wink all the time, telling you everything's good. It's all good. Now, sadly, for many people, Jesus is just one of these things. He's just some nostalgic link to the past, some kind of a curiosity that you can leave in the back of the closet and just bring out occasionally when it's needed or when you need to show it off to other people. For many people who claim the name of Jesus, he's nothing but an accessory to their life, something very optional, very, very tangential. Something that hopefully gives you lots of benefits, but definitely doesn't deserve any kind of effort or change or dedication on your part. And when I say many people, please be very clear here that I mean you and me. Because every single one of us falls into these traps from time to time. Every single one of us comes to Jesus Christ expecting to gain something, but refusing to give anything. As sinners, we don't want to change our wicked ways. We don't want to hear and certainly don't want to obey God's holy word. We don't want to risk the embarrassment of letting other people know that we know Jesus or indeed may love him. We want Jesus to give us what we want, when we want it, and to just leave us alone the rest of the time. We want a Messiah who is going to give us heaven and blessings and comfort and peace, but we also want him to just back off when we're already happy so that we can just keep on sinning without feeling bad about it. What are we seeking, us sinners? We're seeking a pet lamb of God that we've trained to do some very entertaining tricks. We're seeking a Messiah that we are in charge of, that does what we say. And that winds up looking an awful lot like us. And that kind of Messiah, ultimately, that gives us nothing at all. A Messiah that is our puppet, that grants us our every desire, a Messiah who demands nothing at all of us, that is not a Messiah who can save. That's our own imagination that we have turned into an idol. That's our mirror image that we pretend to turn the volume up to 11 on it and then claim that it can do us some good. But it can't. Our imaginary versions of Jesus, they can't save us. They can't give us what we want. They can't grant us our wishes. They can't do anything for us in this world. And they most certainly cannot give us anything beyond this world. And so if you are seeking a Jesus who dances when you pull the strings, who asks how high when you say jump, then you will not find it in Jesus. Instead, you will find what John told his disciples they would find. In Jesus, the real Jesus, you will find the Lamb of God. And what exactly does that mean? Well, it means that you won't be able to put him in a box. You won't be able to understand him completely. You won't be able to make him do your bidding. And for that, you should give thanks. Because that means that he is far beyond you and your feeble imagination. That he is superior to you in every way, which is exactly what you actually need, no matter what you might be seeking. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God, the true Messiah that God promised for so long. He is not a meek, tame, cute little lamb that you can command. He is the Lamb of God, but he is also the Lion of the tribe of Judah. As Isaiah says in our Old Testament reading, His mouth is like a sharp sword, dividing and killing with a mere word. He is despised and abhorred by the nations because he stands against them, and yet he is the King of kings and Lord of lords, before whom all will bow, and his will cannot be questioned. He, and he alone, is the Savior of all nations, the champion who destroys death and the devil for all mankind by his power and his might. He is the Lamb of God. Who takes away the sins of the world. And how does he do that? How does Jesus save us from our sins? By being the Lamb of God. Spotless, innocent Lamb who is sacrificed on our behalf. All throughout the Old Testament, the sacrifices of lambs were very significant. Lambs were brought to the temple to be sacrificed when people had committed flagrant sin. The Passover lamb was slaughtered, and its blood was put upon the doorframe to mark God's people and to spare them from death. On Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, the high priest would lay his hands upon a lamb without blemish to symbolically put the sins of God's people upon that lamb. And then the lamb was led out into the wilderness to die, showing that the sins had been removed from God's people the sacrifice of a lamb was involved in the forgiveness of sins and in the rescue from death. But no matter how many lambs were slaughtered and sacrificed, it wasn't enough. And the blood of a mere animal did absolutely nothing to save anyone. Instead, it all did what John the Baptist did, direct the eyes of people to Jesus Christ, the true Lamb of God, who actually takes away the sins of the world. Jesus Christ, true God and true man, was holy, perfect, and innocent, without sin or spot or blemish. And yet, by grace, he became the embodiment of all sin ever committed. Not by the high priest laying his hands upon him, but by willingly coming to his people. Willingly entering the waters of baptism with sinners like us, willingly taking upon himself all of our guilt and iniquity and filth and wretchedness. Everything that we did wrong, all of our rebellion, all of our greed and our hatred and our lust, all of it was laid upon Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. And like the lambs of the Old Testament, he was sacrificed for us. His blood was shed in our place. He took the full penalty of our sin, the entire wrath of God that should have been ours, and he paid what we owed. We sinned. He suffered. We are guilty. He was sentenced to death. We deserved hell, and he went in our stead. Not because we were so faithful and devoted and good, not because of anything that we did or promised to do, simply because of His unfathomable love for His broken, sinful creation. By grace alone, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, took away the sins of the world by suffering and dying upon the cross in our place. By His wounds, we are healed. And by His holy, innocent blood, we are cleansed completely of all of our sin. But unlike the sacrificed lambs of the Old Testament, The Lamb of God was stronger than even death itself. Jesus died beneath the weight of our sin, but on the third day he rose again from the grave, breaking the bonds of death that held him and all his children. Though our sin deserves eternal hell, instead all those who look to him in faith are given eternal life in heaven. That perfect, sinless paradise where there is no more pain or suffering, no more sorrow or tears, no sickness, no sadness, no death. Only the eternal joy of being in God's holy presence for all eternity. Feasting at his eternal table, singing out his praises with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven for all eternity. Even though this isn't what we sinners are seeking This is what our loving Heavenly Father has given us in Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Even though we often seek something worldly, something disposable, something far less than what Jesus truly is, by grace, through faith, we sinners are given Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, who takes away our sins who gives us the undeserved gift of eternal life in heaven. This is not a gift that we should hide away or sell short or be ashamed of. Instead, we should rejoice every single day. We, like John, should be bold witnesses of his grace. And we, like Andrew, should tell our family and friends and everyone we see the good news that we ourselves have been given, that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And by his cross, by his empty tomb, you are forgiven of every one of your sins. And eternal life in heaven is yours. To God alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen.